This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, I'm excited that it's Mother's Day, even though, I mean, it's not, I'm a dude, I get that in part. But I look around this room, and I see, and I say this in all sincerity, a lot of godly moms. A lot of holy, godly moms. And I'm telling you what, this world, this town, this state, this nation, we need more ladies like the ones we have sitting in this room this morning. Amen? We need more guys like we have sitting in this room today. But I can say that I am absolutely uh, just thankful to God. I am. I'm thankful to God for all the great ladies that we are blessed with here at High Desert Word Center. We've got holy ladies that are raising their children in the ways of God. They're they're bringing their kids into the house of God. They're showing them the right way. And I'm telling you what, man, you are doing the right thing because the book of Proverbs tells us that if you train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it. And so I know that it's frustrating sometimes. Do any of you moms ever get frustrated? Really? Oh, I didn't see that one coming. Wow. Okay. Well, um, in honor of you, moms, I looked up a few of my favorite memes from the Internet about moms. And so, Nick, can you throw the first one up there? This is my gift to you. Moms often start the day feeling like this and end the day feeling like this. (laughs) Is that accurate? Okay. Remember, this is my gift to you, so don't reject my gift. All right. The next one. This is your mom at home versus your mom in public. (laughs) Now, I know that's none of the moms here, but I'm just saying I've heard of stuff like this. It's none of you ladies. You're all angels. Perfect angels. All right. Next one. This is when you're a stay-at-home mom and daddy finally walks through the door. (laughs) Or maybe just, you know, a mom. I mean, hey, you've been home with the kids and dad gets home. That happens at our house. She takes off and she's up. I'm like, whoa, where'd you go? No, she's never done that. That's a joke. All right. Uh, the next one, when mom calls you by your full name. <laughs> all right. All right. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. But, uh, but you know, when you hear the full name, and some of you have like three or four middle names. Antonio Juan Jose Rodriguez. What? Watch out for woo. All right. Anyway, just look out, man. There, you know, you got, when that middle name comes out, you know that something bad has happened and it's getting ready to get worse. But anyway, the title this morning is this. We're going to talk about ingredients of a godly mama. The ingredients of a godly mama. And these are things that I've learned from my mom, from my wife, and from all of you wonderful ladies out here. I've just kind of took a few days this week to... Uh, to kind of uh, reflect and kind of uh, just just took some time to pray and 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 see God what is it that you want to say to us on Mother's Day and I mean I went to the Word and and, and I looked up a lot of things but I kind of looked at some of the character traits some of the strengths that I see from all of the wonderful moms that are in my life in this church and the wonderful mom that, that raised me. So there's a few things I'm going to say this morning. Four ingredients. Now, you know, I'm usually a three-point guy, but because it's Mother's Day, I threw in a fourth. That's the final part of my gift to you. 
Nothing else will be a gift. You may not even like me after I say this, but no, I'm kidding. It's all good. But the first thing that we're going to say this morning is this ingredients of a godly mama. Number one is she loves. She loves. Now, this may seem like kind of a cliche or a, or kind of a, a trite thing to say or kind of, well, that's not very deep. But I want to break it down for a minute because, first of all, you couldn't even be a godly person. You couldn't even be a good Christian if you didn't have love, right? Because First John 4 tells us that anyone that does not love does not know God. For God is love. So, first of all, you can't even be a good Christian. You couldn't even be a godly man, woman, child, whatever you are, without having love. But I know for sure you can't be a godly mom without having love. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times we define love in the way that we see it, don't we? We define love in the way that we feel love is defined. But the truth of the matter is this. There's human love, even a mother's love, and then there's God's love. And they're not the same thing. Because human love, it comes with all sorts of strings attached, right? I'll love you if you treat me right. I'll love you if you'll do this for me. And and I will say this, that's not the love of a mother. Moms love unconditionally. Am I right, moms? We can be a real knucklehead, and for some strange reason, you still love us. I don't get that, but you do. You still love us, and you're still there for us. And and I can say this much, that the love of a mom is probably the closest thing to the God kind of love that we have in this world. And, and, and I'm looking back on my life and on my childhood. I am very blessed. And I'm not just saying that because my mom's here. But, uh, but I am blessed. I, I, I had a very, very good childhood. We didn't have tons of money. We didn't get to go to all kinds of neat places all the time, like Disneyland and stuff. Like, I ne- never did that. But I can say, I look back on my childhood, and the best gift that I had is I never, for one second doubted if my parents loved me. Never. I was very, very secure in the fact that my parents loved each other and that they loved me. They loved us kids. Now, there are eight kids in our family. That's a lot of kids uh, by most people's standards. There's eight kids in our family. Some of my siblings, I was talking to my kids the other day. They're like, what number are you? I'm number six out of eight. It took them six tries to get it right, but they finally got me. And then they're like, well, it's, you know, it, uh, this worked out good. They tried two more times, didn't get the same results, but that's okay. We love them. We love them. <laughs> love you, Mom. <laughs> Was my brother in here? He's back there drinking coffee or something. Anyway, so, but moms, one of the key ingredients about being a godly mom is the fact that moms love us unconditionally. And I can say this much, it is so important, mom, that your kids know that they are loved. And I mean, I'm preaching to the choir, you know this stuff, but but seriously, I can say this much, it is so important for your kids to know how much that you love them. And and we know, we you know, there's never going to be a time that you say it too many times. There's never going to be a time that you show it too many times. And so, as I said, there's, there's a bunch of kids, eight kids in my family. And I don't know how she did it, but my mom, she made time for us individually. And I'm looking back, and, and, and the thing that sticks out the most in my childhood isn't any Christmas gift I ever got. It's not any birthday gift I ever got, or even like a vacation. The thing that I remember the most is going to the grocery store with my mom by myself. And that sounds like, well, that's 
that's kind of lame. Well, when there's a big family like that, mom would take turns and each week one of us got to go uh, to the store just by ourselves, just us and mom. And it was individual time. And I'm telling you what, man, this was a big deal when it was your day to go to the grocery store. You got to pick the cereal. You were calling the shots for a full seven days. You were in charge, man. You got to pick which microwave burritos you were going to eat that week. You got to pick all sorts of great stuff. But I, I, but that sticks out to me, and I am really grateful that uh, mom made that time. And so there's no doubt about it. I think we would all agree that the love of a mom is one of the strongest bonds that we have on planet Earth, there's not a lot of things a whole lot stronger than that. And I, you know, I think about, you know, you watch uh, maybe an NFL game or something, and you get this big six foot six, 350 pound lineman, and after the game, he wants to say hi to his mom on TV. You know, and you bring up that you bring up his mom, and, and and he gets all mushy. And here's this guy that could just pound you into a fine dust with one hit. But when you bring up his mom, he 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 melts. And, 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 and he cries and, and he talks about his mom. Why is that? Because there's not a lot stronger in this world than the love of a mom. Because mom loves us whether we deserve it or not. Mom loves us whether we've just been a complete little jerk, little rat or not. She still loves us. And I look back even, you know, you, you see people that have just really royally blown it in life. And, you know, we've all done that to some extent. But no matter what everybody else thinks about you... Mom still sees something there, doesn't she? She still sees the potential that's there, and she refuses to believe the worst about you. She believes the best about you. She'll clean you up, dust you off, and get you back on your feet. At least a godly mom. And so I was thinking about a time that I blew it, and I'm kind of an open book. You may know that. I, I, I'm not afraid to share my downfalls. Actually, I am, but I want to share uh, a story. We kind of talked about this yesterday. I'm, I'm just thinking about a time that my mom loved my, myself and my brother unconditionally. And so we grew up out in the country. We had uh, we had some farm animals. We had goats and pigs and, and uh, you know, had, had, had a garden and stuff like that. And so one time my dad was out of town, and my brother Josh right here and I, in fact, this is probably his idea now that I, now that I remember, he had, we had these pigs. And my parents didn't want us to get attached to them because our full intention was to eat the pigs. They were not pets. These were for food. So my dad named them Ham and Bacon. That was our pigs' names. So, like, we knew the whole time, like, they're not going to be here forever. And, and so one day, Josh and I had been watching some wrestling and stuff. He's like, I've got a great idea. Let's go out there and we'll wrestle the pigs. They're like, they'll, they'll just take it, man. We can just get out there and, and have at it. And so we strip down to our whitey tidies and we go out in the pig mud and we just start chasing these pigs, tackling them, like, you know, doing wrestling moves and all this stuff. And we are covered head to toe, not only in pig mud, but probably the other things that pigs do. And so anyway, we're out there just having the time of our lives going at it with these pigs and then my dear, sweet Christian mother walks out the door. And I saw the fire of, I don't know, Hades or something. I just saw flames in her eyes. And she yelled, Joshua, David. And so she calls us up to the house. And she is, I mean, this lady is, she's not the angel that you see right here. She didn't look like this. Okay, that halo was gone, and I saw something else up there, but I didn't know what it was. So, 
Anyway, so mom is, she's flying off the handle. She gets a garden hose out and she hoses us off. She's saying stuff. I don't, I don't know what she was saying, but just hosing us off the whole time. And she's like, turn around. Why? Turn around! And so she proceeds to fold the hose in half, bend us over her knee, and start whooping us with the hose. Jeez. Gee whiz. Take a chill pill, I guess. Just pigs. Needless to say, I have never again wrestled pigs in my entire life. I'm 32 now, and I was about six then. I've never wrestled a pig again. So, uh, but, but she did it out of love. She did it out of love because <laughs> she knew that that was bad for us. And the thing is, she didn't hold that against us because she's mom. And, and, and of course she forgave us and gave us another chance. But I want to show you a verse here in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians, yes, 1 Corinthians 13. And if you know your Bible very much, you know that a lot of people refer to this as the love chapter of the Bible. Because 1 Corinthians 13, it outlines and it defines what the God kind of love is. And I think there's one verse out of this chapter that really defines God's kind of love and the love of a mother. So 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look here at verse 7. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, it says this, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Does that sound like mom right there? Ladies, this is your chance. Gentlemen, this is your chance. I'm doing you a favor right now, guys. Does that sound like mom or like your wife right there? There you go. All right. Listen, this is for you. This isn't for me. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This is, to me, the love that I've known, of the love of a mom. It never gives up. It endures through every circumstance, even when you do something really dumb. Has anyone in here ever done something really stupid, but mom forgave you? Yes. All right. Thank you. We've all done things and mom still forgives us. Now, that's what I see out of that verse. I think moms, the most of moms I know, they've got first Corinthians 13, seven. Man, they've got that. They've nailed it right on the head. They've got that. Now, I want to look at the next couple of verses or the previous couple of verses, actually. Now, moms, this is for you. Okay, this is this is my exhortation to you. I just want to read these verses and maybe you examine your life and see, am I walking in these verses? Does this describe me or could I be doing a little bit better in these verses? Now, men, let them look at this for them. Don't don't. It's a bad idea to look at that and say you're not doing this one very well. Don't don't do that. They don't like that, apparently. OK, and honey, I am sorry. I didn't mean it. She's not even listening to me. All right, whatever, whatever. She's still not listening to me. Hi. I just mentioned you in a sermon and you're like right on the front row. You didn't even hear me. All right. All right. Yeah. So she hasn't had a voice for a couple of days now. And I'm it's been sad. We've I've missed it. <laughs> Woo. All right. No, I love her. She knows I love her. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Now, moms, let's just read this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. 
or rude. And I know none of you ladies are rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And I've never met a lady yet that's irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And so, in light of what we define love as being, because we come up with all sorts of definitions we say love is, this is what God says love is. And so I'm encouraging not only the moms, but everybody in here, this is the standard of which we are called to love other people. This is for everybody. This is God's standard of love. And of course, nobody's going to get this 100% right. But this is what we are supposed to be aiming for whenever we look at the area of how we are treating other people. Men, women, children, everybody. This is the standard. And so I look at this often and I say, Lord, am I living up to this? And I mean, of course, I'm never fully living up to this. But I look at this and it corrects me all the time. And I say, I need to get better at this. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this part, but I'm not doing this part. Examine your life against 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Can I get an amen? Are you going to do that? All right. Let's look at number two, the second ingredient to a godly mama. Number one, she loves. Number two, she protects. There we go. Now we've struck a chord. Moms, do you protect those babies? Yes, you do. And I'm going to tell you the story of one of the best moms in the Bible. Everybody's favorite mom. Chalkabed. Chalkabed. Little Moe's mom. Alright, apparently you don't know the story. Exodus chapter 2. We're going to tell the story of Jochebed. Jochebed had three children, Aaron, Miriam, and Moses, who we're going to refer to as little Mo, because he was the baby of the bunch. Alright? So, Exodus chapter 2, let's turn back there. And Jochebed was a holy mama. She was a good lady. She was awesome. But there was one problem, and it was this. The Hebrews were being held as slaves to the Egyptians, and they were multiplying. They were reproducing and multiplying, and Pharaoh became so intimidated by the sheer number of Israelites, of Hebrews, of Jewish people, that he said, what if they outnumber us and they decide to turn on us? They could overtake Egypt. And so he said, here's how we're going to stop this. We'll just kill every male Hebrew child that's born. The females can live, but all the males can live. And so they start killing the Hebrew children. They're throwing them in the river and all this stuff. It's a bad time over there in Egypt. But here's what happens when little Moses born. Moses. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant. This is Jochebed. And gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby. And kept him hidden for three months. She hid the baby for three months. It's going to be impossible to hide this kid forever in your home. Someone's going to eventually find out that you gave birth to a baby boy. So she hides him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. So can you imagine this, mom? You have a baby boy that God gave you and 
you know, I can't hide this baby forever. His only chance is if I put him in the hands of God. You put your baby in a basket and float him down the Nile River. I mean, I can't even imagine the emotions. I can't even imagine what's going through your mind. you got a three-month-old baby that you have put in a basket, and you just float him down the river and saying, God, he's in your hands. I, I've done all I can do. His best chance of survival is if I just let him go. What a spot to be in. But I'm looking at this and 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 Jochebed, she took a risk here, but she was doing it all to protect her child. This is the love of a mom. This is the God kind of love right here. And 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 I know this much that God has given men the responsibility of being providers and protectors for their family, right? God, I mean, that's in the Bible. God has given men this charge to protect their families. But I do know this much. I don't want to come across an angry mom if you've messed with her kids. Sometimes we use the phrase uh, 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 Mama Grizzly. And I, and I was looking at some videos of Mama Grizzlies this week. Dude, they're ferocious. They will tear heads off if you mess with their cubs. And I'm like, wow, that's where we get that phrase because... Dude, a mom will straight up tear into you if you mess with her kids. And that's a good thing. That's God. I mean, you know, that's from God. But I was reading some stories because I just I like to look stuff up. And I was I was Googling stories of moms protecting their kids. Now, check this story out. This is good. So there was this mom in British Columbia. Uh, her name was Maureen. She was picking berries with her three-year-old daughter one day when a cougar jumped out of the woods and attacked the little girl. It grabbed the little girl and it was rolling back and forth with the little girl trying to trying to kill her. And so the mom just snaps into superhero mode. She pries herself in between the, the, the little girl and the cougar and she lifts the cougar up on her back and throws the cougar back into the woods and it goes running off. And the little girl survived. I'm like, what? What is this? That's mama protecting the babies, right? Amen? And so it said, the newspaper article said the little girl later asked, uh, she asked, why didn't the kitty want to play nice, mommy? So even better yet, in a village in Indonesia, there is this mom named Rahima. Uh, she heard her 25-year-old daughter screaming. Like, 25? Okay. So she hears her daughter screaming, and she runs over to the river where her daughter is. Uh, An 18-foot croc has the daughter's leg in its mouth and won't let go. And so here comes mom running, I'll save you. And she comes and she starts kicking the thing in the head, but it won't let go. And so this mom climbs on top of the crock and pries its jaws all the way open and gets the daughter out and punches the crock and it goes back in the water. I'm like, dang, what is this? This is mom's being protective. And the daughter, I mean, she needed 50 stitches, five zero, but mom saved her life from a crock. Moms are tough. You don't want to mess with them. You don't want to, you don't want to mess with an angry mother. And I, I think we can all say amen, right guys? Angry mom is not good news. Okay. So let's continue our story here and see what happens. Uh, so they, they, they float little Mo down the river. He's, he's, you know, just, they've got nothing but a basket and a prayer. And his big sister Miriam is keeping an eye. But verse five says, soon Pharaoh's daughter 
the daughter of the guy that's killing all the babies, came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. And so she knew what was going on here. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Come on, that's a good sister right there. She said, you want me to go get one of the Hebrew women that can nurse this baby? And yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, Jochebed. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him and took care of him. And so check this out. Because Jochebed took Moses and put him in God's hands instead of trying to hide him there, she not only got to nurse him, she got to end up raising that boy till the time he was a teenager, and she got paid for it. Moms, wouldn't it be nice if you got a, I mean, a nice check in the mail, just, you know, just as a way of, of raising your kid. And that's not why you do it. But wouldn't it be great all the stuff that you have to put up with if you got paid for it on top of it? Some of you are saying yes, some of you don't care. But I'm, wouldn't that just be cool? Wouldn't that just be a little bit cool? And so I'm saying right here, because she did things God's way, God's way always turns out better. She puts her baby in God's hands and God sends the baby right back with a paycheck. Dude, that's awesome. That is a, that's fantastic. That shows us that when we do things God's way, it always turns out better. So what lessons do we learn from Jochebed? Well, we learn protect that baby. And number two, put that baby in God's hands. Amen. And sometimes as parents in general, we can be what they call overprotective. The modern phrase is a helicopter parent. Every time they even have a, this much trouble, you, you swoop in and, I'll save you. And, and, and that can be to the extreme, right? And so the God kind of love, we're talking about love, we're talking about protection, the, the God way of doing this. And God's way is the right way every single time. And God says, listen, you're praying for him. You're praying for her. Just trust me, okay? You need to let go of some of that anxiety, mom. Some of you moms, you know, you're worried just a little bit too much. Put the baby in God's hands. Put that boy, put that girl in your baby, maybe 25, 30, 40, whatever. Put them in God's hands and quit worrying. Put them in the basket. Float them down the river. God will take care of the baby and he'll send a paycheck with them. Well, maybe. I don't know. He might. It, it, it could happen. But what I'm saying is this. Quit fretting. Quit being so full of anxiety and fear and stress. Listen, that's not God's will. God's saying, I've got this. It's going to be okay. You're praying. Do your part and let me do mine. But sometimes we get so smothering that we don't let God do his part. Let God do his part. You do your part too. Amen? Is that right? Am I right on that? Okay. Number three, the third ingredient for a godly mama is this. She teaches. Moms teach us things that we need to know. And I heard this great quote that I thought was, was just perfect. said, life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother. Life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother. 
And I mean, that's so true. There's so many of the absolute key fundamentals of life that mom has to teach you. I, I mean, I can look back and, and think of all the things my mom taught me, uh, you know, about being godly and, and, and the right way to live. And I look at our own personal life. I've taught my kids how to wrestle and how to, I introduced them to the Three Stooges. But Katie, she's taught them valuable life skills, like bathing themselves and feeding themselves. And so, I mean, dads, we do the best we can do, right? Well, we do, we do what we can do. Hey, they needed to know who Mo was. They needed to know who Mo, Curly, and Larry Joe was. But she, she, she taught them, uh, she is teaching them. So, and, and, and it shocks me because, you know, the kids, if I'm fixing something or whatever, they, you know, they always want to hover right there and, and they want to get their hand in the mix and, and they, and, and that's good. i I need to improve on my teaching skills with the kids, but she could be doing like ironing, washing, you know, the, the dishes and cooking a meal, be on the phone call and me and, and, and doing homework at the same time. I'm like, what is going on here? Because, if I'm tying my shoes and they walk in the room, I'm like, I got to start over. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't talk to me right now. I, I don't get this, man. But, but moms, they have this multitasking brain where they can do 50 things at once. And I mean, I'm doing good to be here today. I, uh, I, I struggle with doing more than one thing at once. But that's just a gift from mom, uh, from God to moms. And, and I'm telling you what, man, moms teach us. What we need to know. Can I get an amen, ladies? Men, can I get an amen? All right, that was weak, but that's cool. That's cool. All right, so let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I can definitely say I learned my manners from my mother. She's the mannerly teacher of the family. Uh, her, her mom, she was talking about this yesterday. My grandma was a very, uh, uh, proper lady, East Coast, New England, very proper, all these manners and stuff like that. And so my mom taught us, she taught us manners. Now, whether we apply them in daily life or not, I don't know, but, but she did teach us the right way to do things and, uh, she did a pretty good job. Some of us, you know, not as well as others, but, uh, <laughs> There's no sibling rivalry in our family, uh, but <laughs> okay. So Proverbs chapter one, verses eight and nine, it says, "My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. So listen when your dad corrects you, and do not neglect your mother's instruction." What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. And so there's a lot of things I know that my mom taught me. It says right here that what she teaches you, that the, the wisdom that mom imparts to you, listen, that's going to be a chain of honor around your neck. There's, I mean, there's, there's so many things in life where, you know, maybe I'm in a public situation or at an important meeting, and I just remember something little mom taught me, and, and, and people are like, oh, good job. And, and, well, my mom taught me it's a chain of honor around your neck. Do you realize what this means, people? Mom's wisdom is bling bling. 
Bling! Right on your neck, man. Bling! Right on your neck. And, and, and so many people, they're walking around without, uh, without walking in the wisdom that mom has given them. And so listen to what mom's telling you. And even after you're an adult, sometimes we're sitting here thinking, yeah, I remember back in the day. You listen to mom right now. Listen to the wisdom that she has right now. And, uh, and, and her, 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 her words are full of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 31. Let's look up there real quick. Proverbs 31. Now, if you've read Proverbs 31, and we hear people use the phrase all the time, I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, in Proverbs 31, uh, is laid out a pattern of what an extremely godly wife and mom would look like. And this, and, and Proverbs 31, I mean, this lady sets the standard really high. The standard is set very high for, for what a, a, a godly wife and mom would look like. But I want to look here at Proverbs 31, verse 26. Proverbs 31, verse 26. It says, When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She gives instructions with kindness. When she speaks, her words are wise. And I can say that, man. We've got a church full of, of godly moms. We've got moms in here that read the Bible, that, that, that are living according to the ways of God. And so that's a mom you can listen to. That's a mom that you can know she is guiding you in the right direction. Her words are full of wisdom. And she gives instruction with kindness. And I like it when moms give instruction, but I really like it when they do it with kindness. It's a lot nicer when moms do it with kindness. So that's something to think about. But I was reading this interview, um, and I'm not endorsing this individual. I don't know much about him. I'm just saying I read an interview with him, okay? So there's this comedian named Kevin Hart. A lot of people know who he is. Again, never seen one of his movies. I'm just simply relaying a story that I read, okay? But uh, he was talking about how when he wanted to get into doing stand-up comedy and, and be a full-time entertainer, his mom said that she'd support him for one year. And if it didn't work out, he'd have to go back to school and get a real job. Like, okay. So about six months into this, uh, him, you know, him trying to be an actor and comedian, he finally ran out of money and he couldn't pay his rent. So he called Mama for help. And she said, have you been reading your Bible? And he said, no, I don't want to talk about that right now. I need money. And she said, I'm, no, not you, you go get in the Word. You go read your Bible. And so he hung up the phone on her. He was like, I, I, don't need, I don't have time for this right now. I need money. And so this went on for several weeks. And he'd call her back and she'd say, go read your Bible. And he's, and he'd hang up all frustrated. So finally one day, he said he was running out of options. He went and got his Bible out and opened it up to read. And six wrench checks already pre-written fell out of the Bible. And she had already, she already thought about this. And so his mom had hidden those there, but didn't want him to receive the blessing until he got into the Word of God. Now again, you can debate whether he stayed there or not. Again, I'm not endorsing him, but I'm just saying that right here, that's a godly mom right there. She said, the answer's there, but you're going to have to go looking in the Word of God for it. And I think that's a pretty good mom right there. That's a good mom. Amen? And so the fourth thing we're going to say is this. Number four, we're talking about ingredients for a godly mom, is she prays. Look out for a praying mom. There is no force more powerful in this world than a mom who prays. Now, I read a quote from Abraham Lincoln. He said, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me 
They have clung to me all my life. And so we know the successful man that he obviously was. But Abraham Lincoln, uh, he said his mom's prayers that clung to him. He remembered them for all of his life. There is nothing more powerful than a praying mom. And I was reading this story a while back um, about a young mother from the, in the 1960s. She and her family moved to New York City from Puerto Rico. They were, they were poor and they lived in one of the, the worst parts of town. Uh, and, and pretty soon her son fell in to the trap. He, he was, he was being recruited and, and assisting in gang activity by the age of nine. By the time he was 12, he was fully addicted to heroin. And by the time he was a teenager, he was already robbing and, 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 and I believe killing and, and all, I mean, just a really bad, bad situation. But his mom refused to just let him go. His mom refused to just give him up to the streets. And so she went seven days a week to the little church on the corner. And she prayed. She went twice on Sundays. And not only did she pray that he would be delivered from that, she had faith. She prayed that he'd actually become a preacher. And that God would use him to reach people. And it didn't look like that was going to happen at all. This guy was a mess. He had the cops were after him. One of his teachers actually said, he's headed to the electric chair, just so you know, that kid's going to die, and, and he, he, he's going nowhere. And, and she said, nope, not going to happen. He's actually going to be a preacher someday. And people would look at her like, you're crazy. This kid's the worst kid ever. She, no, he's going to be a preacher someday. And she stood on that, and she prayed, and, and little did she know that God was working on a, another young man's heart named David Wilkerson to move to New York City and start preaching on the streets. Well, one day, this young man, Victor, is walking down the street, and there's a young street preacher out there preaching about Jesus. The Holy Spirit grabbed his heart. He fell down and gave his life to Jesus on the street corner. And he, of course, was delivered from all that stuff. He grew up and he has a worldwide ministry. He's a pastor in Virginia named Victor Torres. And God has used him all over the world. But nobody thought it was possible. What happened? Mom refused to give up. Mom prayed. Say it with me. Mom prayed. Mom, are you praying for those kids? You got to. I mean, it's good. You got to feed them. You got to bathe them. You got to teach them. But listen, you need to be praying for those kids. You know, I, I, I hear stories and I love them, you know, about people like, like this, that God delivered them out of gangs and so many great people in our church, God, that God brought them through all this stuff. And those are my favorite stories. Those are the best testimonies. I love them. And I look at my life and I'm like, I never had any of that. I never, you know, God didn't, I was never got into that stuff. But, but why is that? How did that? Because my mom was able to pray it all away from me. And so I'm, you know, I'm so thankful for that. And that's not a put down on anybody else. I'm just saying I never had to experience that stuff. And the reason is because I had praying parents. I had parents that were right there. And so maybe you did go through that type of a life, but your kids don't have to. They don't have to. They don't have to go through the same stuff that you went through. And they shouldn't. You don't want them to, do you? You don't want them to have to go through the... Our whole goal as parents is to provide a better life than what we had, right? And of course, we all think about, well, they need more money than I ever had. And that, listen, that's fine. But I, I would much rather have parents that raised me godly than parents that raised me with money. I'd much rather have parents that, that showed me how to fight spiritually, how to fight the Lord's battles, than showed me anything else. There is no price that can be put 
ungodly moms and dads. And so I'm encouraging you moms in here today, keep praying, keep standing for your kids, keep seeing the best in them and watch what God can do. And man, maybe you're a grandma and, and, and mom's not in the picture or, or whatever the case is. I know in my dad's life, his mother was not a godly woman. I mean, that sounds mean to say about my own grandma. She was not a godly woman. She was pretty mean, actually. And so her mom, though, was a godly woman. And she she would pray for my dad. She would, she would do everything she could to get him into church as a kid. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. And she was a frail, little, skinny little lady. But God answered her prayers. And my dad grew up, you know, and became a pastor. Out of all the kids in the family, my dad became a pastor, and we are the first set of grandchildren in the entire Samples family that aren't alcoholics, that aren't drunk, and aren't out, you know, never been to jail or anything. And why is that? Because of a praying grandma, and because my dad and my mom decided to do things different. And I'm really thankful. I don't need any jail stories. I mean, I, I, you know, kudos to, but I'm just saying, I'm glad that I didn't have to go through that. And the glory goes to God, but to my parents, thank you for showing us a different way than what all of our cousins and stuff know. And so, John chapter 5, let's turn over there, First John chapter 5. Are we learning anything today? First John chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 14 to 15, because there's nothing more powerful in this world than a praying mom. I mean, and, and, and if, if you don't start praying for your kids until after they're born, you've started too late. You need to start praying for them when they're in the womb still. You need to, from the second you find out that you're going to have a baby, start praying. Start speaking words of life and faith over them. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. Well, do you think it would please God to have your kids serve Him and live a decent life? Then I think He hears you when you're praying for that. And since we know He hears us when we make our request, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. Hallelujah! It says we can be confident of this. That we know when we're asking for anything that pleases Him, He hears us. And we know that He will give us what we ask for when we're asking for things that please Him. And so, listen, ask for things that please God about your children. Ask for God to do a work in their life. Ask for God to keep them and protect them and give you wisdom on how to raise them. And I can promise you, He will give you what you ask for. Absolutely. God will give you what you ask for. And so, Mom, I encourage you today, keep praying for those kids. Even if it seems like, well, nothing seems to be happening yet, just keep it up. Keep standing in faith. Keep speaking words of victory over your kids every single day. Whether it seems like they're getting it or not, there is power when mom prays for those kids that Jesus gave to her. I'm going to tell, amen. I'm going to share one of my favorite stories as we, as we kind of end things here today. But I've shared this before. This is one of my favorite stories that I've ever read. And it, uh, and, and it happened just on Martin Luther King Day of 2015, so just a couple of years ago. But three, and some of you have heard me tell this story. Three 14-year-old boys were playing on the ice of, uh, at a lake called Lake St. Louis in Missouri. 
not St. Louis, St. Louis. And they fell through the ice in frigid waters. And I read this story from USA Today, so I've just copied it out of there. But it says a rescue crew found one of the boys by shore almost out of the water and the second teen clinging to the ice. The third boy, his name was John, was still under the water. By the time they pulled his body from the rocky bottom of the lake, he had been submerged under the icy water for 15 minutes. And he had no pulse. En route to the hospital, emergency workers performed CPR on the boy, but it was to no effect. When they finally arrived, the attending doctor, Dr. Kent Sutterer, had little hope for the boy's survival. He recalls, I remember his core body temperature was at 88 degrees. And that's super low. That's bad. He'd been under ice water for 15 minutes. His core body temperature was at 88 degrees. He said, in my mind... This is a very grim, very poor chance of any type of survival. The doctor and his team continued CPR on John for another 27 minutes with no response. And at that point, they decided to call John's mom into the room to give her the news. He had been dead already for 45 minutes, said Dr. Sutterer. But then something completely unexpected happened. Mom goes flying through the ER doors and she lays hands on her son. Joyce enters the emergency room. She starts praying really loudly, laying hands on her son. And I don't remember at all what I said, she recalls. But I do remember, holy God, please send your Holy Spirit to save my son. I want my son. Please save him. And then something happened. Apparently, his heart began beating again. And the doctors announced that he did have a pulse. And they hadn't been getting in a pulse or anything at all for 45 minutes. Mrs. Smith said, all of a sudden I heard them saying, we got a pulse, we got a pulse. And according to Dr. Sutterer, within a matter of a minute or two, his heart completely jump-started. The doctors at this point, okay, this, this article is written a few weeks later, are having a hard time explaining exactly what happened because he's made a complete recovery. His family is calling an answer to prayer, and the attending doctors seem to concur. And this is what they wrote on his official medical report. The doctor wrote this on his medical record. His heart was jump-started by the Holy Spirit listening to the request of his praying mother. And so, I'm telling you, moms, there is power when mama prays. There is power when mom won't give up even though everybody else has. There is power. And so what we need in 2018 is we need some more godly moms just like the ones sitting in this room today. And so we've looked at just a few little ingredients here, just a few characteristics of what I've learned and gleaned from the moms in this room, from my mom, from my wife, and from all you ladies. And I'm telling you what, if we can apply these You're going to do a great job. You're going to raise godly kids. Even if the odds are stacked against, that doesn't matter. The odds are stacked in their favor if you're living for God, if you're doing it God's way. If you'll say, I'm just going to trust them to your care, Lord, God will take care of them. So, good job, moms. You are incredible. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. You're the best that Barstow has to offer. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.